boys and girls that this week in Vacation Bible School would be a time that they would draw closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Linda, for that, and I hope that does get you ready for Vacation Bible School. I know I'm excited for Vacation Bible School, and I hope you are as well. And over these next few weeks, I thought I was going to get through Peter's life in one message, but that is not happening. So, as I was putting this together, it's going to take us several weeks to look just at a snapshot of the life of Peter. And so we're going to be through the Gospels this morning, looking through the life of Peter, and we'll be looking at the, the key verse, Psalm 25, 4 through 5, which is the key verse of Vacation Bible School. But I want to begin by saying, like, like the game that Linda played with the children and other games, there are twists and turns. There are ups and downs in the games that we play. Now, I read an article the other day. There was a high school baseball team in New York. They thought they had won the championship. They were winning 4 to 3. And the opposing team was up to their last at bat. They had two outs, and there were two strikes on the batter, and they had men on first and second. The batter swung at the next pitch the pitcher threw for strike three. The catcher rolled the ball to the pitcher's mound. Everyone started celebrating, throwing their hats and throwing their gloves, acting like they had won the game. In the video, you see one player, the second baseman, realize something is not right. He starts yelling to the catcher and to the pitcher to get the ball, to get back at home, to tag the guy running out. You may wonder why were the base runners running. You see that third strike that the pitcher threw, it hit the dirt. And when there are two outs and first base is occupied, it is a live ball in the game of baseball. The catcher had a mental lapse. Instead of tagging the runner or throwing the ball to first to get the runner out, he rolled the ball back to the pitcher and both runners scored. The runner on second and the runner on first scored. And the team that was losing and down to the last out won the game 5-4. to four. All because of that one mistake by that catcher. You see, there was an emotion of ups and downs by both teams. One team thought they had won and then they lost the other game. The other team thought they'd lost the game and they are the ones now who are celebrating. You see, just like the games we play, life is full of twists and turns. We can be excited one moment and then we can be disappointed the next. We can be happy and then we can be sad. We can be encouraged and then all of a sudden we can become discouraged. And making sense of the twists and turns that we face in life, it can be very frustrating. Because there are twists and turns in life that we will never understand. And instead of trying to understand what God is doing, the best thing that we can do is trust God. Because we may not be able to see what is coming next. But God knows because in His sovereignty, because He is all-knowing, He knows what is coming next in our lives and what we are going to face. And in Scripture, one individual whose life was full of twists and turns was the disciple Peter. And as Linda mentioned, it is his life that is going to be the focus of Vacation Bible School. You see, Peter had successes and failures. Peter was bold and fearless one minute, then he was cowering in denial and in fear the next minute. 
This morning and over the next week or two, we're going to look at the life of Peter. We're going to dive into eight instances in Peter's life. And this morning in your bulletin, it shows we're going to cover four. Hate to break the news to you, we're only going to get to three, so that might be a good thing. But over these next few weeks, we are going to see how we are a lot like Peter. We are going to see how Peter's life reflected the power of Jesus in his successes and failures and in the twists and the turns that he had to navigate. And through Peter's life, we're going to discover the truth that is the motto of VBS that following Jesus changes the game. Following Jesus, it changes everything. We're going to begin by looking at the first instance in Peter's life, and that is Peter's call. So if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. This is the first introduction of Peter to Jesus. This is Peter's call of salvation is what I would call it. In verse 35 of chapter 1, it says again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by. He said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about 10 in the morning. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means anointed one. And he brought Simon to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means rock. In this passage, I believe it's the call of salvation that Jesus placed on Peter's life. Andrew, Simon's brother, introduced Peter to Jesus. And after Andrew discovered who Jesus was, after Andrew discovered that, that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Lamb of God, the first thing that he did is he went to his brother Peter and told him, you have to meet this Jesus. And he brought Peter to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at Peter, the first thing that he did was change his name. Jesus told him that from now on he would be called Cephas or Peter, which means, which means rock. And by changing his name, Jesus immediately changed the trajectory of Peter's life. From this day forward, Peter's life would not be the same. Now, Peter had no idea what his life was going to be like. Peter didn't know that Jesus later on was going to call him to be one of his 12 disciples. Peter didn't know that he was going to be part of the inner circle of disciples along with James and John. Peter had no idea he was going to walk on water. He had no idea he was going to see Jesus in all his glory. He had no idea that he would see Jesus perform miracle after miracle after miracle. He had no idea that he would deny Jesus three times. He had no idea that he would see Jesus crucified and that he would see the empty tomb and Jesus risen from the dead. When Peter gave his life to Jesus, he had no idea that God was going to use him to build the church and give him one of the greatest gospel messages ever preached in Acts chapter 2. Peter had no idea that he was going to be put in prison for the gospel and be crucified upside down for his faith. Peter had no idea that any of these things were going to happen. 
He had no idea of the twists and turns that his life was about to take. But one thing he did know and he believed in is that Jesus would change his life. And Jesus began changing his life by changing his name. And when we come to Jesus and answer the call of salvation, Jesus does for us what he did for Peter. Do you realize that Jesus changes our life and he even changes our name? When you give your life to Jesus and and decide to follow him as Savior and Lord, you are given a new name. You are given a new identity. You are given the family name of God. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And even more incredible than this is if you are in Christ, Not only do you become part of the family of God, but God will give you a new name that only He and you will have in eternity. Revelation 2.17, John writes, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give you some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. You see, in ancient times, white and black stones were used for for registering the verdicts of juries. A black stone meant that the person was guilty. A white stone meant that the person was innocent. And you and I, we are guilty under the penalty of sin without the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And without Him breaking the power of sin and redeeming us and freeing us to eternal life. But with Jesus, we can be confident That we have a white stone with our name on it waiting in eternity. When you gave your life to Christ, you have a new name written down in glory. And it is yours and only yours. You know, there's a song that came out a few years ago by Charity Gale and David Gentiles who, who wrote New Name Written Down in Glory. And it's based on the old hymn, very similar to that same name. But in it they say, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, yes it's mine. I've met the author of my story, and he's mine, yes he's mine. I am who I am, because the I am tells me who I am. When you meet Jesus, as Peter found out, Jesus changes your name. Jesus changes the trajectory of your life. Jesus changes your story. Peter only placed, or Jesus only placed the call of salvation upon Peter's life. He also placed the call of service on Peter's life. Your bulletin has the wrong scripture. I'm sorry for that. That's what happens when you're on vacation. It's not Matthew 1. It's Mark 1. Mark 1, 16 through 18 is where we need to turn. Let's read Mark 1, 16 to 18. As Jesus was passing by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. Remember, Simon's brother Andrew is the one who introduced Simon to Jesus to begin with. Now they're out fishing. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them. I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their fathers and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, his brother John. They were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. God specifically called Peter to be one of the twelve disciples. 
And these three men that we read about in this account, not only were they part of the twelve, Peter, James, and John were part of the inner, the inner circle of the disciples of Jesus. They lived with Jesus for three and a half years of his ministry. They did life with Jesus. Jesus invested with these men. Now at this point, Peter has already been introduced to Jesus. But in this encounter, when Jesus told Peter to follow him, Peter did so immediately, Scripture says. Peter dropped what he was doing. He dropped where he was in life to follow Christ. Peter gives the impression that he is all in with this Jesus. Not only has he given his life to him, now he says, I'm going to follow you wherever you go and wherever you lead me. And even though Peter didn't waste any time in following Jesus, I am not sure that Peter understood the totality of the commitment that he was making when he made this decision as there is no way he knew what Jesus had in store for his future. But I do believe Peter knew one thing. I believe that Peter knew enough about Jesus that he wanted Jesus to be the one guiding his life. And you know, when we commit to follow Jesus, we are saying to Jesus that we are all in. When we answer the call of salvation to Christ, we are saying, Jesus, I commit all of my life to you. I am all in. I want you to lead me. And wherever you lead me, I am going to follow. You know, our desire should be what the theme verse for Vacation Bible School is. Psalm 25, 4, but I'm also going to read verse 5. Psalm 25, 4 and 5 says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Our desire for, should be for, for Jesus to show us our ways, to guide us in truth, to teach us. Why? Because He is our God, He is our Savior, and He is our only hope. And as we will see in Peter's life as a follower of Christ, we don't get to choose when to follow Jesus and when not to follow Jesus. We don't get to choose when we're going to follow Jesus and, we're not, and when we're not going to follow Jesus. Jesus. A commitment to Jesus is not a decision of convenience. A decision to follow Jesus is the decision of true and genuine commitment. And no matter what twists and turns come in our lives, we are to continue to follow Christ. You know, it's like driving on a curvy road. When a curve comes, you don't drive off the road and decide, I'm not going to follow that curve anymore. You don't make the decision to create your own path. You choose the path that is in front of you. Why? Because you trust it. Even though you can't see what's around the curve, you trust the road that you're on because you want to get to your destination safely. And to drive off the road is not a wise decision. To create your own path is not the thing to do because you're going to damage your car and possibly cause injury to yourself and possibly to others. The car was made to follow the road. In the same way, we are made in the image of God. To follow the plan of God. And in our lives when we encounter a twist or a turn. We don't quit following Jesus. 
Even though we can't see what is coming. Even though we don't understand, we continue to follow Him and trust Him. And by continuing to follow Jesus and not making your own path, you show that you trust Him more than yourself. You show that you truly believe that Jesus is the one who knows best for you and for your life. Now here's a caveat to this. You can choose whatever path you want. If you don't want to follow Jesus, that's your choice. Jesus does not make anyone follow him. It's a choice that you have to make as a person, as an individual. When, Peter, when Jesus asked Peter to follow him, Jesus didn't forcefully grab Peter out of the boat and say, you're going to follow me. Jesus simply walked by and he looked at Peter, James, and John and said, Hey guys, why don't you follow me? And they dropped what they did and they immediately followed Jesus. You see, Peter could have said, Not today, Jesus. Jesus, I'm too busy doing what I want to do. Maybe come back next week or maybe come back in a month or maybe come back another time and then I'll choose to follow you. That's not what he did. He followed him immediately. You know, and you can choose whatever path you want. However, Jesus is not going to follow the path that you choose. Jesus is not going to follow the path that you choose. He wants you to follow the path that he has chosen for you. And sometimes that path is bumpy. Sometimes that path has twists and turns. Sometimes that path has obstacles. And like Peter, even though we don't know the twists and turns that our lives are going to take, we need to realize that we are much better off with Jesus than without Him. And when you gain Jesus, when you give your life to Christ and commit to follow Him, you gain a friend. And you don't just gain a friend for life, you gain a friend for eternity. Someone who walks with you, someone who talks with you, someone who leads you and guides you and is always there for you. With Jesus, you are never alone. And as we sang this morning, Jesus is there when life overwhelms you. Jesus is there when you can't make sense of what is going on. He is with you in the ups and downs. He's with you in the successes and failures. He's with you in the twists and the turns. You know, I love to go to this verse when facing the, the difficulties of life. It's Isaiah 43, 2. Isaiah writes, when you pass through the water, speaking on God's behalf, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. When you go through the difficulties of life, you are never alone if you have Jesus. And not only is Jesus with us in the twists and turns of life, He knows when they're coming. He knows when they're coming. He knows what you're going to go through. He knows what you're going through now. He has ordained your days. He has laid out the plans that He has for you. And yes, because we live in a world that has fallen, and yes, because we live in a world that is broken, we live in a world that, that is full of evil, 
the path that God has for you is probably at some point going to include suffering. Several times in Scripture, Jesus said, you are going to suffer. He said, when you suffer. Not if, but when. It's going to be part of God's plan. And you don't know when those times are coming, but you can trust the one who does. And God wants you to know that you'll never go through these twists and turns of life alone. And as we sang this morning, He's going to be right there next to you. He's going to be right there with you. So I want to assure you this morning that following Jesus changes the game. Following Jesus changes your life. And you are much better off with Jesus in your life than you are without Him. The second thing I want to look at, I want to look at Peter's confession. Look at Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18. Go to Matthew 16. This is Peter's confession. So far, it's so good for Peter. He chose to follow Jesus. And in Mark 1, 29 through 31, Jesus visits Peter's house and he heals his mother-in-law. Peter has seen Jesus perform many other miracles. In Luke 5, 4 through 7, Jesus told Peter to cast his nets deep into the water. Peter looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, we've already been fishing all night and we ain't caught a thing. But he did as Jesus said and he caught a lot of fish. In Matthew chapter 14, we see that, that Peter and Jesus walked on water and we're going to talk about this probably next week. But then we come to Matthew chapter 16. This is a very significant event in the life of Peter and his exchange with Jesus. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They say, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jodah, Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The forces of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus had just warned his disciples about the false teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and now he's continuing to talk to his disciples, and he asked them a very important question. In verse 13, he asked the disciples, he says, who do you say that I am? Or who do people say that I am? I'm getting ahead of myself. Who do people say that I am? And they respond and say, Jesus, some people saying you're John the Baptist. Some people are saying you're Elijah. Some people are saying you're Jeremiah. Some people are saying you are one of the prophets. But I want you to notice what was not said, and that's very telling. The disciples did not mention that Anyone thought that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Son of God. That was not mentioned at all in the responses to the question that Jesus asked. And I believe if we were to go around today and ask people on the streets or in our community who Jesus was, I think we would get very similar answers to what the disciples gave Jesus. That He was a prophet. That he was a good man. That he was a good teacher. Hardly ever will we get the correct answer. 
And by the way, there is only one correct answer to the question, to that question when it comes to who Jesus is. You can't make Jesus into what you want him to be. You have to accept him as he is and what the Bible claims him to be. There is only one Jesus. There is not my Jesus and your Jesus. There is only one Jesus, and that's the Jesus of the Bible. There is no other Jesus. Then Jesus makes it a little more personal. He asks Peter. He looks at Peter and says, Peter, I know what all these other people are saying about me, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said the exact same thing his brother Andrew said to him when Andrew told Peter that we found the Messiah. He said, we found the Messiah. And I believe this statement about Jesus that Andrew made to Peter in John 1.41 had a profound impact on Peter's life. And as we looked at earlier, instead of saying, we found Jesus, Andrew told Peter, he said, we found the Messiah. You see, the term Messiah would have resonated with Peter. Peter knew the Old Testament. He knew throughout the Old Testament that God had promised to send the Messiah, he, that he would send the anointed one. And Jesus was that anointed one. He was that promised Messiah. As Jesus was anointed by God to come to this earth to take on flesh, to live a sinless life and to give his life as the payment of sin, for those who would believe in him and for those who would trust him. So when Jesus asked Peter who he was, Peter said in verse 16, You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. You know what? Peter got it right. Peter gave the only answer that satisfied the question that Jesus asked him. This was the only answer that Jesus was looking for. And this confession that Peter made was significant. As this confession that Jesus is the Messiah is the foundation of our faith. This confession is the foundation of the church. Without the fundamental truth that Jesus is the Messiah, we have no faith. We have no church. And what Jesus said in verses 17 and 18, let me be clear, Jesus was not saying that he was going to build his church upon Peter. Because the church of God is not built upon any man. The church of God is built upon only on Jesus Christ. And there is no doubt that Peter and the other disciples were going to be used by God to grow God's kingdom and to establish His church. All you have to do is read the book of Acts, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. And you'll see how Peter is involved in growing the church. That's what Jesus was talking about. He said, Peter, I'm going to use you and the disciples to grow my church, to grow my kingdom. When I'm gone, you're going to continue the mission I started. But he was not building his church upon Peter. He was building his church upon the confession that Peter made that Jesus was the Messiah. You see, the foundation of your faith... The foundation of the church must be built on the premise that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that He is the Christ who God said would come to give His life for our sin. And what you believe about Jesus today, it affects your life. What you believe about Jesus, it affects your faith. And what you believe about Jesus will affect your eternity. 
If you don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, you can't have forgiveness of sin. You can't have a relationship with God. You can't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You can't have the presence of God in your life. You can experience the hope and the peace and comfort that God gives. And you cannot have heaven as your eternal destination if you don't believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah. The only way that you can only have all these things and more is if you believe as Peter believed that Jesus is the Messiah. And this statement, this belief will change your life and it will impact your life forever. The last thing I want to talk about this morning is is Peter's cockiness. Probably a strange word to use in a sermon. I've never used it before, but I thought it was fitting. Peter is doing great. He's answered God's call of salvation. He's answered God's call of service. He's told Jesus that he is the Messiah, but then we come to a twist and a turn. Matthew 16, 21 through 28. It says, from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. He turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me because you're not thinking about God's concern but man." Verse 21 is a great description of the mission of Jesus and the gospel. Jesus was telling the disciples exactly what was going to happen. He was telling them exactly why he came. And he could not have been any clearer about what was going to take place. But Peter did not like what he heard. So he took Jesus aside. Can you imagine Peter walking up to Jesus saying, Jesus... I need to talk to you for a minute. I really don't like what you just said. But that's what he did. He took Jesus, the Messiah, aside not to ask him about what he said. He didn't ask Jesus for an explanation. He took him aside to rebuke him. He basically said, Jesus, what you just said, it's never going to happen to you. Peter is rebuking the Messiah, the Son of God. And I believe that Peter's pride Peter's overconfidence, Peter's cockiness got the best of him. And Peter was one who always had to say something. Peter was great at sticking his foot in his mouth. Remember, he just got finished confirming who Jesus was. And Jesus had just praised Peter for understanding who he was. He had just given Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven, giving Peter the authority to continue the mission that Jesus had started once Jesus was gone. Now Peter messes everything up and starts to rebuke Jesus. The Greek word for rebuke is epitomio. It's the sense of reprimand. It's a sense of sharpness. And usually when someone is reprimanding you, their goal is, is one of two things, to either to put you in your place or to exert authority over you. And by Matthew using this word, he paints the picture of Peter attempting to correct his master, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God who came to do the will of God. Peter didn't like what Jesus said. So he decided to take matters into his own hands and put Jesus in his place. 
I don't know about you, in my life there have been times where I have been reprimanded and I have been scolded. And I will say it never, neither of those times has been a very fun experience. It's not fun to be scolded. It's not fun to be reprimanded by, by your boss or by a coach or by an authority figure in your life. But in this case, Peter has taken the authority figure in his life aside and started to reprimand him. Can you imagine at work taking your boss aside and scolding him? Can you imagine if you're on a sports team of taking your coach aside and scolding him? You're not going to have that job very long. And you're not going to be on the team very long. This is a twist. This is an ugly twist and turn in Peter's life. And why did Peter rebuke Jesus? A very simple answer because Jesus did not fit into Peter's box. Jesus didn't fit into Peter's box. As many Jews did, Peter had specific expectation for what the Messiah was supposed to come and do. And most of these opinions focused on the restoration of Israel by liberating the Jews from Roman rule. They saw the Messiah as being a warrior king like David. And the idea that Jesus would be killed by his enemies, it completely contradicted their assumptions and and their traditions of what the Messiah was supposed to be. But I want you to notice who Jesus said was going to kill him. It wasn't the Romans. It was the Jewish leaders. He said, I'm going to suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and scribes, and be killed and raised the third day. Jesus is telling his disciples that my enemies are not the Romans. My enemies are the Jews. And look at what Jesus told Peter in verse 23. And from Jesus' response, we can deduce that Peter was giving it to Jesus and scolding him. But Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Peter got more than he bargained for, I think. Jesus turned the tables on Peter. Peter the reprimandee became the reprimander became the reprimandee as Jesus cursed Peter out without even using curse words. Peter's rejection of the way of the cross it was not a reflection of the attitude of a follower of Christ but it was the attitude of Satan. Why was it the attitude of Satan? Why did he say get behind me Satan? Because Peter was trying to thwart the plans of God. He had forgotten Job 42 too, where, where Jesus said, I, or God said, I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Isaiah 46, 27 says, The Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? Peter forgotten that no one can thwart the plan of God. And Peter allowed his perception of what Jesus the Messiah should be to cloud his vision of what Jesus really came to do. Peter was more concerned about himself than about God. And Jesus shows us that at the end of verse 23. He said, you are an offense to me because you are not thinking about God's concerns but man." You see, Peter's conviction and confession that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, 
did not prevent him from attempting to correct or change the plans of God. In our lives, how often do we say we recognize Jesus as the Messiah? We say he's the Son of God, but then we choose to try to correct his plans because we don't like his plan. We don't like his direction. How often are we more concerned about ourselves than about God? We say we trust God, yet we ignore Psalm 25, 4 and 5, which I just read about asking God to show us our ways or to show us his ways and to guide us in his truth. And we ask God to bless our plans instead of choosing to follow his. Peter proves to us that knowing Jesus is not the same as accepting Jesus' mission and purpose. Peter tried to do the impossible. He tried to separate the purpose of Jesus from the mission of Jesus. You can't separate these two things. You can't separate who Jesus is from what he came to do. The mission of Jesus is wrapped up in the person of Jesus because Jesus as the Messiah is the only one who could have accomplished his mission. No one could have done what Jesus came to do. You know, we've heard that no one is irreplaceable. This is not true when it comes to Jesus. No one can replace Jesus. There is no substitute for Jesus. In our lives, we can't separate who Jesus is from his plan and purpose. And if we try to separate the person from Jesus from the plan of Jesus, it's going to cause frustration in our lives. And instead of being frustrated with God, we need to be frustrated with ourselves because we are the issue, not God. God is giving us guidance. God is giving us direction that we need and usually have asked for. And then we ignore it or we don't like it. And what is God's purpose and God's plan? He gives it to us in verses 24 through 26. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come to me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. What will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? What is God's purpose or plan? For us to die to ourselves and for us to live for him and for us to even be willing to die for him. If we want to truly follow Jesus, we have to give up our plans and follow his. And we can't allow our pride. We can't allow our confidence, our cockiness, keep us from getting in the way of God, of what God wants to do in our lives and the life of our church. You know, like Peter's life, our life is going to be full of highlights and lowlights. Our life is going to be full of twists and turns. And how you handle the successes and disappointments of life, that's going to be determined by and demonstrated by what you really believe about Jesus. So this morning in closing, I ask you what Jesus asked his disciples. What do you believe about Jesus? Who do you say that he is? Do you believe, as Peter, that he is the promised Messiah? Do you believe that he is the Son of God? If the answer is yes, the next question is, have you committed your life to him? If you believe Jesus is who he says he is, have you given your life to Jesus? If not, 
this morning, we would love to introduce you to Jesus the same way that Andrew introduced Peter to Jesus. And we want to show you how following Jesus is a life-changing decision. And if you believe Jesus is the Messiah and have committed your life to Jesus, I ask you, to what extent are you willing to follow Him? To what extent are you willing to trust Him? Are you all in? Meaning, are you willing to follow His plans and to follow Him where He leads, regardless of where it takes you? Or do you try to separate who Jesus is from what He wants to do in your life? Are you willing to continue to follow Him, regardless of the twists and turns that you may face? Don't let pride, don't let stubbornness, don't let difficulty keep you from following Christ. Commit to following Jesus every step of the way regardless of where the road of life leads you. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning and we just thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you so much for the Messiah. We thank you for Jesus. Father, we thank you that Jesus came as you promised he would even before the foundation of the world. And Father, I pray that we would recognize in our own lives who Jesus is, Father. Lord, that's a question that each of us have to answer individually. And Father, I pray we would come to the conclusion that Peter did, that you are the Messiah, that you are the Son of God. And Father, I pray like Peter that we would commit our lives to you. Father, that we would desire to have that relationship with you. And Father, I pray that we would desire to commit our lives to you and to follow you regardless of what comes in our life. And Father, may we not try to separate who you are from what you want to do in us and through us. Father, may we lay our plans aside and simply trust you and follow the path that you are leading us on. And God, may we not try to create our own path. And Father, I pray if there's one here this morning who does not know you, I pray today would be their day of salvation. God, I pray they would say, I want to give my life to Jesus and I want to begin following Him. And Father, for many of us who are in this room this morning, I'm sure we've given our life to Christ. But God, we have to answer the question, what difference is Jesus the Messiah making in our lives? Are we willing to follow Him wherever He leads? Are we willing to go wherever He goes? Father, that's a more difficult question. Because, Father, sometimes where You lead us and desire for us to go is not where we want to go. Father, sometimes the path gets bumpy. Sometimes there are obstacles that we don't like facing. Father, sometimes we encounter twists and turns. But God, through everything that happens in our lives, may we never stop following you. God, may we not let pride or stubbornness or anything else get in our way of living the life, God, that you want us to live. Father, I just pray that you'd work in our time of commitment this morning. And I pray that your will would be done. Father, we just ask all these things in your most precious and holy name. Amen. We're going to sing in a moment.